Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hello, everybody. This is Here Comes the Spider Cast number 10. This is your co-host, Mike L. And as always, I'm joined by... Josh Murr. And today we are going to be looking at April 1981 in Spider-Man comics. We're going to start off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 215, move on to Marvel Team-Up 104, and then finish off with Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 53. Great. And yes, starting off with Amazing 215... I got to tell you, when I saw this cover, I was just like, can we please get through this goddamn storyline? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this one did drag on a little bit. Um, yeah. We pick, up, we pick up where we left off last issue with Namor and Spider-Man kind of being taken over by this like mind gun that mm-hmm. a bunch of these villains are using on them. Um, and the story kind of just loops around and does the same thing it did last episode, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up escaping the villains run away Namor and Spider-Man kind of go their separate ways and then eventually they team up again once they find out Lyra's secret identity with being uh, Peter Parker's neighbor and then mm-hmm. they defeat her and again go their separate ways that's pretty much the gist of this uh, comic <sighs> right I mean it's kind of just I don't know. If you want to get down to it, it just seems like arranging characters in sort of a random arbitrary way to get them to fight, then to separate, then to fight, to team up. And there's not really, like the characters are not really pushing the story. They're kind of just thrown together and the story kind of Mm -hmm. just happens. That's what I feel like. Right. I mean, even (laughs) like... Really, there's no story that happens in this. Like, no. Like, I, I, it's hard to say what the plot is. It, it's just kind of the end of last week's issue. Like, you're right. They, they kind of just. Peter Parker realizes that Lyra is a is his neighbor, and then Namor defeats her. I mean, we have this like weird subplot where Namor's got Spider-Man spider senses, that and they have to run into fit bullshit i'm sorry what happened like i went back and kind of reread it and i still yeah. don't fully understand why no and you know what i there's a there's a point where is it in this issue or last issue where the wizard explains that right like he kind of explains what's happened right okay but like but like again it's like first of all no one no one knows he has a spider sense why would he tell anyone that? Yeah. It's like Daredevil. Daredevil doesn't tell people he has a radar sense. In fact, people don't even know Daredevil's blind. I was going to say, they don't realize he's blind, right? Right, like, right. So why would uh, Peter? Why would Spider-Man go around telling people he has a spider sense? Now, maybe he has, and I just don't remember may, that. Maybe but, the villains have his trading card, and they just left yeah, on the exactly. back. <laughs> no. His Marvel Universe yeah. entry. <laughs> well, I, I also, I, one of my pet peeves, you know, it's it's kind of funny because I got into hot water the other day. Because um, I made a comment that um, that uh, that superheroes were inherently absurd, and that therefore cartoony art is more suited to the superhero genre. Right. 
And someone said, well, if you think superheroes are absurd, you should read something else. And it's like, no, no, no. I didn't say I didn't like them. I didn't say they were bad. I right. said they're absurd. And, you know, people going around dressed up like pro- professional wrestlers and punching each other is ridiculous, but I can still enjoy it and I still love it, right? Right. But there are still certain things about the genre that I can't stand. One of them I've mentioned in the, in the, a few weeks ago was when uh, villains just want to wreak havoc. They just want to, <laughs> like, like actually part one of the story when we're going to, you know, have a robot spider on the, on a building to get Spider-Man's attention. Like, right. I don't, it, I don't, I, it, it just, I, I, it's more logical when like, okay, Joker has a plan. He's going to rob a bank or whatever, you right. know? And uh, in this story, they do another one, right. which is transfer the superpowers. <sighs> well, wait a minute. If you can transfer superpowers from one guy to another, then doesn't that kind of make them not unique at right. all? And just why, why isn't it your plan to steal everybody's powers and use them for yourself? Right, right, exactly. Well, good, why point. Did you, good point. Why didn't you use that transfer on you to take Spider-Man's spider sense? Like... Exactly. You just gave Namor more power. You didn't even take anything away from him. Good point. Right? Like Good it point. just uh, it, it was so weird. And and going no. off your like uh, what you were talking about with the goofy stories for comics, I think uh-huh. that it can work when it's campy and goofy and kind of play on that genre if that's what the story needs. And I think that the more serious stuff where it's just chaos can also work like we kind of see an example with the dark knight returns comics and even in the dark knight movies with mm-hmm. joker kind of being this chaotic uh villain mm-hmm. where he is kind of just doing it because he likes chaos um but it still feels planned out and there's a reason behind his you know madness Right, right, right. So it can definitely work, and you can have those serious moments in comics. But if it if the story calls for something that's campy and fun and kind of corny and cheesy, then I think mm-hmm. it completely works, and I completely enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So, well, a perfect example is something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which right. is which is, in my opinion, it's a it is a landmark in superhero development because it embraced. All those elements, right? But it did it with a, with a little bit of audience winking. But I mean, it was it, when that show was serious. It was serious. But you know, when there was a Buffy robot, they made a joke out of it. Right. You know, when you know, just the way that they would knock off vampires, like they made a joke out of it. But but it, everything worked together. It all was co- cohesive. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's like you're not sure: is Denny O'Neill trying to be serious? Is he is he being stupid? Is he is it supposed to be a good story? Right. Clearly not. You know what I mean? I don't know. But yeah, it just it just lost me. Like this story mm-hmm. is just dragging out. It's I just mean, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, really, for sure. Uh, but you even get a taste of that in the Marvel movies too, in the MCU. Like, there's mm-hmm. definitely some serious moments, but then they also kind of make fun of themselves with how much right. humor and comedy there is, and they they don't try to take themselves too seriously because the story and plot and what's going on with the characters doesn't need that. Right. So I think it, it definitely depends on what story you're telling. Right. And there's definitely, like, I've, I've said enough about Marvel movies. You know, I don't think they're perfect. I don't think they're actually great. But they get the humor right. Like, you For know, sure. in Civil like in Civil War when, what, what is it, Falcon and Winter Soldier are sitting in the car. Right. And Falcon's like, can you move your seat up? He's like, no. Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or then when, when Cap, uh, he kisses... Um, is it Sharon Carter? Yeah, Sharon Carter. Yeah, and then and they, they all kind of smile. Yeah. Like that's great. That's that's exactly what you need in those mm-hmm. in those and uh, then even, moments. Right? Even they're like 
the quippiness I think transfers pretty well from the comics. Like right. going off with the same movie in Civil War when Spider-Man is fighting uh, Falcon and Bucky. Mm-hmm. I think Falcon. I think Sam Wilson's the one who says you don't fight a lot, do you? You're not supposed to talk. And they're kind of like right. going back and forth. Like it's, yeah, they, they get the charm right. of the comics while still having a little bit of a serious tone in the story. And right. then, you know, they can bounce between the two and, and have that, they can have fun telling the stories. Right. Well, and so. you know what is, I think that, I mean, obviously going right back to the thirties, uh, Batman, I mean, I read the first year's worth of Batman mm-hmm. and within six months he was already, doing puns and you know little <laughs> right. quips which is unfortunate but you know it, it was always there but then stan lee even right starting from 61 he was like all marvel comics by stan lee are partially satire mm-hmm. he's acknowledging the genre he's he, you know in the story um the, you know they're they're calling each other's names corny they're calling their costumes corny right so he's acknowledging in the stories how ridiculous they are so, right and and i think that really makes it palatable if it if it was trying to take itself seriously while also being like ridiculous i think that it it for sure would not work but the fact that they call upon that and they they are self-aware it works totally but okay let's let's talk about this comic though sure now (laughs) before we even uh, move on to anything else i gotta say there's something there's something about this issue that is actually um, become a major part well not a major part but a minor part of online pop culture and i'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet do you know what i'm talking about um no is it what well, <laughs> no i'm not sure okay digital page four top left okay yeah this is i also screenshotted <laughs> okay. this okay <laughs> And I, I, I actually screenshotted this and sent this to my friends earlier today. I'm like, what is going on? Well, yeah, because this has become like, okay, it's not a famous meme, but it has become a meme. So we're talking, folks, about uh, the Sandman putting his fist apparently through Spider-Man's ass. It really like, does look like it's ass. shoved right up there. Right up his ass. <laughs> and it's it's become sort of like I've seen this used a million times. And I, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, the famous uh, Batman Robin meme of yes, him slapping yeah. him. I was reading a comic a couple years ago and I came across it. Like the I have the issue. Wow. And I didn't even realize. Yeah. So when I read this, I'm like, oh, well, that's what that's from, of course. But I don't know if he was intending to make it look like he was hitting his back maybe and and then i also i also assume that it's not supposed to look like it's going inside of spider-man but the explosion like that explosion is not like an explosion effect that's the sand kind of dispersing right but it really does kind of look like he's just got his fist right up there right yeah it's hilarious anyway yeah Okay, so uh, let's talk about some good things. Uh, yeah. The art, as usual, is good, yeah, right? John, John Romita Romita Jr. and Jim Mooney. Jim Mooney. He's got yeah. the classic feel. No complaints there, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Peter Parker. Is he a jerk again? Yes, Because I thought he is. was. Yes. So what does he say this issue? This there's, issue... There's a couple lines so that really he, irked me. He's half dead. Like, obviously, some of his power has been drained from him, and he's... Yeah. I assume that maybe his healing factor is not uh, what it used to be, and some of that is in Namor. Well, he doesn't really have a healing factor, as far as I know, does he? I, I thought that I didn't think it was like anything crazy, but I thought that because he had this superhuman ability, he could like take uh-huh. damage more. That's you know, what I got that's, from it. I 
I've never been able to figure that out because obviously the guy can lift, apparently he can lift 10 tons, so he's super strong, right? right? But there's never been any indication that he can take, you know, damage or, or get or, or whatever, recover from right. damage. So if a guy can lift 10 tons, well, what if he pulls his muscle? Like, right. or what if someone punches him really hard? And he, so yeah, right. he's strong. I, I, guess, but. I guess it's also just like, if you're, if you're strong and you're constantly in, getting into fights, you're going to have a yeah. higher tolerance to... You must, yeah. Right? So even if it's not like part of his superpower, his strength, I'm sure, gives him more endurance. So I sure. kind of took it that maybe he, you know, is a little bit mm-hmm. weaker now that some of his power has been taken away. Right, and right, right. He, he needs help kind of healing and getting better. So he walks next door to his hot neighbor and tries to look for her and she's not there so he's like well i guess i better go to good old deb whitman and just kind of goes there he she takes him in takes care of him like (sighs) you know cleans all his wounds he's sleeping there for hours i think it was like seven hour uh, let me it says it says exactly 14 14. hours and 17 minutes later yeah and then she makes him a huge breakfast. It's almost comic, like comical how yeah. much she makes for him. She says, uh, I fixed a bit of breakfast, pancakes, ham, sausage, bacon, home fries, apple pie, and <laughs> coffee. Yeah. And then Peter goes, that's not breakfast. That's a banquet. And then he says, well, got to run. No time to uh, go see a movie with you. And you know what? I better pass on breakfast too. And then just runs out the door. What an asshole. I, like. And the thing is, is he, he even like says in the thought bubble, no help there. And I'm feeling worse and worse. Got to find somebody. Maybe Deb. Maybe Debbie Whitney. Yeah. Maybe. Like, like, are you second kidding choice. me? Yeah. And the other thing too, earlier he calls Lilla his, his girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. What the? F- he's only hung out with her once. Well, yeah. And, and like they watch TV. <laughs> yeah like nothing it. happened it's it just uh uh-huh i'm yeah. telling you this is very telling like if i ever get the chance to interview denny o'neill i'm gonna ask him about this yeah this is ridiculous that's, that's crazy like i uh, i don't know like mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how anybody could not know that that's just not peter parker yeah exactly it feels really out of place so, is there anything else good to say about this? Uh, I mean, that wasn't good, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's kind of a goofy moment where um, uh, Spider-Man is bound and he's floating up to the sky. Yeah. Um, like, uh, what's Let me his name? Um, the Wizard? The Wizard, yeah. Oh, he... that, that's just another bizarre pointless yeah yeah it's so weird like he's going to kill spider-man by sending him into the atmosphere so he can't breathe come on it's just just weird so random at no point does anybody try to unmask spider-man either Mm -hmm. which Which i I really hate that in comics yeah you know what that's another convention you know Uh, i I mean i I can accept it because i've been watching batman the animated series and that's another thing you know they knock him out they tie him up, but they never unmask him. It is kind of frustrating, right? Eh? I think in in Batman, they could even they could even get away with saying like, "Oh, he has some sort of technology in his suit that you can't take mm. the helmet off, or it's too tight, or something." Right? You know, you're like you'll you'll get electrocuted if if you don't know how to undo it properly. With Spider Man, it's just spandex. 
I know. Like, I know. He, it's so easy to just rip that thing off, and nobody ever does. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, I, another, I guess, another moment I kind of noted too was Namor punches Sandman so hard that he explodes <laughs> into dust. Like he just explodes into <laughs> yeah, sand. You're right. It's crazy. So on dig- <laughs> digital fifteen, like at the middle middle of the page, there's this panel. <laughs> he punches Sandman, and sand is like shooting out of every <laughs> limb. Like he just turns into dust. And then on the next page, you just see a pile of dust, and then Sandman's clothes. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, oh my! Yeah. Did he kill Sandman? What happened? That's crazy. I've never seen that before. Ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. I mean, either either he would knock Sandman, or his fist his fist would just go through him. Right. There's no reason why he should explode. <laughs> he literally <but> explodes. <clears throat> so then, uh, at near the end of the story, they go uh, Spidey and 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 Namor go to the FF. So that they can restore his spider sense back, which again, more nonsense. Right. I don't know. They actually even say here, um, the preparations are painstaking. The risks are enormous. Reed Richards must use every bit of his vast scientific expertise to accomplish this apparent miracle. Yet, as improbable as it seems, success. It's like two panels long. You know, it's like, why don't you show us how difficult it is instead of just explaining it to us? You know, again, just bad storytelling. Yeah. And, And like, what does that add to the story? Exactly, exactly. It, it really feels like this whole subplot with them switching the powers was just to put a Fantastic Four cameo in the comic. Yeah, absolutely. This really, right. Like, he doesn't even really use it at any point. No, like it's, it's just to make Namor go crazy, but it doesn't really do that. So. A, yeah, it doesn't even do that. Like, it, maybe if, if Spider-Man was kind of useless and was captured and Namor had to go and save him and they kind mm-hmm. of underestimated him because they know how Namor fights, but he's got this special ability that's new and different because he's got Spider-Man's spider sense. You know, mm-hmm. like, they didn't do anything with that. No, no, so. you're not. Yeah, it doesn't it go. It amounts to nothing. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. So again, don't recommend it. No. Uh, other than the art, yeah, yeah, art's beautiful. There's there's some really fun stuff. I mean, even the even the butt punching is is that's <laughs> funny. one thing to recommend this for, right? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. yeah, and another tedious issue of Amazing Spider-Man by Denny O'Neill, <sighs> unfortunately. Uh, which brings us to our next issue, which is Marvel Team Up number 104, which once again does not feature Spider-Man. Right. Do you want to tell us about this one? Yeah, it's kind of a, a weird story. So this character I'm actually not familiar with. Is this Kazar? Well, I, I used to call him Kazar, but I believe it's Kazar. Is it Kazar? Yes. I See, I, I thought that it had to have been Kazar because it's so close to Quasar. Oh, okay, okay. Right? I was okay. like, oh, it's not Kazar because it sounds too much like Quasar. So I, I I was like, in my head, I was calling him Kazar the whole time. I used to call him Kazar, but I believe, I've never seen him in the cartoons, but I think it is Kazar. Kazar, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we see Hulk and Kazar team up. Uh, we have AIM kind of ha- like going to this island to catch a bunch of dinosaurs for for some reason and Hulk runs into uh Kazar and they team up against Modok and save yeah. the dinosaurs at the end of the day that's really kind of the plot 
Yeah, and it's hilarious because in next week's issue of or episode of Quasar Chronology, Modoc will also show up. Oh, in that, nice! So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I I really um, kind of like Modoc. He's he he's great. he rides that line of goofy and f- like menacing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, he's he's really cool. So I like I like great. whenever he whenever he shows up. Great Jack Kirby design. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I, I I think that this might be my favorite Hulk comic that you and I have covered so far. We've okay. done a few with the Marvel team up so far, and then okay. we also did a couple with um in, in the first few episodes of Quasar Chronology. Actually, we talked about uh Quasar and Hulk teaming up. Yes, and Hulk is always kind of boring to Annoying. me when he's the main yeah. character. But we and we get a we get a we get quite a bit of Hulk in this being the main character. But then we also have Bruce Banner coming in and mm-hmm. uh, adding in another element that's not normally there in some of the Hulk comics. So sure, uh, I definitely yeah. enjoyed Bruce Banner kind of uh, doing some detective work. Well, you know what? Um, I'll definitely say okay. Now, have you seen the Hulk TV show? Yes. Because this is absolutely the Hulk TV show. Like right. once Bruce, or once the Hulk turns back into Bruce Banner, and then all of a sudden he finds himself, you know, mixed in with these sort of homeless mm-hmm. people. He's eating the dinner. It's like, oh, well, now it's the TV show. Right now, it's a little bit ridiculous how this guy's like, well, I'm about to go in this uh, this old man, like this sailor type. He's like, right. well, I'm supposed to go down, uh, supposed to go on this boat, but. Uh, you know, I can't make it. So just take my papers and you can take my place. It's kind of ridiculous, right. but okay, fine. I can accept that. I mean, they even call him David. Yes. He even uses the, yes, the, 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 um, that, no, that's pseudonym. Would it be pseudonym? Well, yeah, I guess I, it's pseudonym. Isn't his David middle Banner. name David? Isn't no, it Bruce so, okay. David Banner and then they use David Banner in the TV show? No. So originally in the comics, I believe it was. Bruce Banner first, then Robert Banner, or I might have it backwards. Oh, okay, right. And so they, they went back and forth over the years. Then the TV show was David Banner. Um, it, you, the, the urban legend used to be that the creator, Kenneth Johnson, the creator of the TV show, he thought it was too gay sounding, which is apparently not true. He said <laughs> the real reason was that he didn't like alliterations, like oh, okay. Bruce Banner, Peter Parker... You know, right. Clark Kent. But then it's, it's funny because I don't know how it took 30 or 40 years for someone to point out, oh, you mean like Bill Bixby? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you my know? goodness. So, yeah. So anyway, so it is kind of funny that he uses David Banner in this, yeah. but whatever. So clearly this is a, a throwback to the show, mm-hmm. which at this point, I think it was still on. I'm not sure, but. I think so. Because yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it actually mentioned on the cover of one of the Hulk comics we read. Okay. And I think that was late 70s. Yeah, I think it was like 78 to 81 or 82. But definitely, I personally think that the Hulk TV show status quo is much more like fertile for good stories than the Hulk that we have been reading, which is just dumb Hulk, like driving in a car and getting served dinner. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? Yeah, they were nonsense. The the whole comic was just him eating dinner with these. Yeah, like (laughs) serving coffee. Come on. uh, Yeah, it was wild. So anyway, so let, let, I guess we'll just go through the story. Sure, so then, yeah. yeah so, so then Bruce, or yeah, so Bruce is on the ship and he meets a guy and there's something fishy going on. So they go into like the lower decks and they find all this equipment and then basically, yeah, it ends up being MODOK. So now it kind of goes from being the Hulk TV show to back to being mm-hmm. a typical Marvel comic, right? 
they make their way to the Savage Land. And so you're not familiar with the Savage Land at all, are you? I am a little it, bit. Um, well, yeah, it's basically just like a timeless area where right. there's still dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers and blah, blah, blah. And I was never huge into this concept. Mm-hmm. But now the one thing I got to mention about Kazar is he appeared in Marvel Comics number one, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, alongside okay. Submariner and Human Torch and and uh, the original Angel, I believe the original Black Widow, I think. So he's actually tied for Marvel's oldest character oh, along with really those cool. other ones. However, technically Submariner did appear first in a comic called Motion Picture Funnies number one. So Submariner is Marvel's first superhero. Right. However, there's a little tidbit about Kazar that the Marvel version of Kazar is actually sort of a um i i don't know if it's if they actually had the rights or, or what happened but the 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 marvel kazar was the comic book version of a pulp character called kazar but he had a different name he was david rand okay but he was a pulp character that started appearing in 1936 so if you stretch the definition you could say kazar is marvel's first superhero <laughs> But if you if you stretch the de- if you stretch it that far, then you might say that like Dracula is because Dracula appeared in novels right. in the eighteen hundreds, like you know. But anyway, so officially it's still Submariner, but Kazar is really old and he's got an interesting history. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so yeah. Uh, then he came back in uh, in X Men of all places, which I always wondered why the X Men kept visiting the Savage Land, and it turns out it's because he was brought back in X Men number ten. So that's why he's kind of tied to the X Men. Right. So anyway. So back to the story. So basically they fight dinosaurs and there's a lot of fighting, yeah. there's a lot of fighting and then that's it. And then Modoc takes off yeah. and the end. Not much of a story. No. I mean, even Modoc's like reason for taking the dinosaurs is he just wants a dinosaur pit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Like, I think he says something, um, page 16 he says, uh, his fate is sealed. Cast him in the pit with Banner. They will be the first to fall to my reptilian vanguard, but only the first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. He, he just kind of went to the Savage Lands to get a bunch of dinosaurs for a dino pit to throw people yeah, in and kill them. Like, Well, it also says here, the same process that transformed me will change these dinosaurs into the forerunners of an invincible strike force, the likes of which has never been seen. An inhuman, unstoppable army of my army, mind to control. I don't know. Again, just typical silliness, right? So I guess uh, Marvel did it before Jurassic World could. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Maybe maybe the Jurassic World novel had been, or uh, Jurassic Park novel had been published at this point. I don't know. Yeah, it is from the 70s, I, I wonder it, right? if I, yeah, I don't know if Jurassic the Jurassic Park novel has anything about military mm. dinosaurs or not. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, oh, one thing I want to say though is the art is by uh, Jerry Bingham, who's done some of the. He did a few comics it's we've reviewed lately. Very like, good in this, I thought. It is. It's and I, I gotta say, it's got to be Mike Esposito's inks. Right. Like he he almost gives it, and I know some people don't like Todd McFarlane, but he gives it like a, I guess you could say like a Michael Golden or a Todd McFarlane feel. Um, he really brings out like he, it's really fluid, it's really cartoony in a good way. There's a lot of detail. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like if you, even if you look at page digital six when they're on top of that bridge. Uh, that's okay. a great that's a mm-hmm. great perspective and the use of shadow. It really br- you know brings up like the the depth of the shot. Like yeah, it's really it's nicely very done. Good. 
I also yeah, really so... love like later on when they're fighting Modok. There's a couple okay. of really good shots on page tw- uh, 21. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. They, uh, it's Hulk kind of beating up Modok, and he has this one. There's this one panel in the middle of the page where he's punching Modok, and everything's kind of exploding on his me- mechani- uh, yeah. mechanized chair. And then we see him uh-huh. laying on the ground after, like without, like without yeah. his chair and everything. We actually see That's his good- whole body and everything. It's pretty cool. That's a good, yeah, you're right. That is good. Really, it's really good that. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just really fluid. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's like, you got to wonder, is it just the inking or is it just that, you know, it's just the Jerry Bingham had a good day. I don't know what, but it just seems to really flow together mm-hmm. well. It's really nice. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, next issue, Spider-Man's gone again. Right. So next issue, and I believe this is the last time, but next issue is the Hulk Iron Fist and Power Man, right. which I thought we just did this. Didn't we I just was do just going to say, I, I feel like we've done Iron Fist, Power Man, and uh-huh. Hulk. Uh-huh. Well, we're going to have to do it again. Well. So, Oh, uh, well. So, yeah, I mean, not a terrible issue. No. Uh, yeah, fun, but c- kind of a, a thin story, but some good art. And, you know, we got a chance to, to check out uh, Kazar. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I, I got to point out. Okay. I just want to say it's written by Roger McKenzie, who did some of the Captain America comics with Quasar in the okay, movie right. a while back. So, yeah. But anyway, you were going to say? Uh, I think Quasar and um, Hulk kind of fit well together, too. Sure. Like, I don't think that they clash too much. And then I think Modok was a fun a villain to kind of add into the Savage Lands, kind of sure, destroying yeah. things there and using his mech stuff to kind of mess with nature. I thought it was a fun setting right i agree i agree so yeah moderately recommend a fun fill-in but again just like the fact that it's in an issue of marvel team up to me says that it is a fill-in so there's not really much to the story kind of an inconsequential story but anyway that brings us to our third comic this week which is peter parker spectacular spider-man number 53 uh and you can take it from here right so we have uh peter parker facing off against the tinkerer in this uh this issue mm-hmm. and we start off with uh this woman who looks like she's going to commit suicide off of a building yeah. but it's really her kind of trying to get away from the tinkerer's machines so peter parker goes and saves her and then from there he kind of tracks down the tinkerer and has to uh get past a lot of his different inventions and i actually enjoyed this story the most i think yeah, me too. Um, not a whole lot happened, but I don't think it <laughs> needed that. Like, right. it was a pretty self-contained, fun, short little story, and I think yeah. it was done pretty well. I agree. And and now let's we should point out it's written by Bill Mantlo, who so it's a fill-in issue. It's not by Roger Stern, right? But it is drawn by Jim Mooney, so there is some continuity. So I, I mean, I say fill-in, but maybe Roger Stern just needed a break. I don't know. But mm-hmm. Bill Mantlo writes this and. Uh, I can't remember if we've covered Bill Mantlo yet, but he is so. famous. No, but uh, he's, I think it, we might've covered it in Flea Market Fantasy, but he's famous for doing a lot of the Marvel um, toy tie-ins like ROM, Space Knight, Micronauts. Oh, okay. He, yeah. He did the first few issues of Transformers. Well, that's pretty fun then that he, uh, and pretty fitting that he's worked with the Tinkerer. Yeah, good point. Good point. You're right. Yeah. Um, he's also he also did a really long run on the Hulk. 
So he was a, a fairly big writer at, of, at Marvel at this time. He, he actually had a run on Spectacular Spider-Man right before Roger Stern and right after him. So we're going to be reading a lot of his stories soon. Nice. So yeah, I think he is, he is definitely a solid writer. And it, it's funny because this issue has a weird opening. Like this whole... Yeah. Yeah, like this whole weird thing about this girl who looks like she's going to commit suicide. And then... Spider Peter Parker instead of just changing it to Spider Man, he goes into a phone booth and then webs up his face. Yeah, to, like it's just kind of like one of those things where they could have so easily he could have just ducked into an alley, but it just makes me wonder why they chose to write that in. I don't know, but yeah. anyway, they did. And, and they even have a bit where the tinkerer almost sees him. Yeah, yeah, that was weird too. So yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't really, doesn't really come back into play at all, from what I no. remember. Um, but I, I do think that this beginning part does have a couple of really great moments though. Uh, mm-hmm. I really love the art on, on digital page five. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man just saved the, uh, the police officer and the woman. And then sure. he accidentally lets go of the web and they're all three of them are falling down the building. Right. This last panel on the page, it's about it's definitely half the page. We see the three mm-hmm. of them falling, and then in the uh, mid ground, we've got the cops, kind of um, scrambling around trying to figure out what to right. do. And then in the foreground, you have the bystanders, and they're kind of lit and and colored in this purple, like deep purple uh, color. And it's really right. dramatic and fun, and the angles are very angular. It kind of has this Dutch tilt to it, and I really yep. love a lot of the layout in um, this issue. Yeah, and it also because it's Jim Mooney, it has that classic '60s feel to yeah, it, which for sure. always adds to it. Yeah, but you're right; it is good, and and that that scene kind of goes on for a couple more panels, like in, on the next page where he kind of catches them and then he's holding on he's uh his legs are uh, right. draped around this pole i mean and even the panel where it's all red yeah like it, it really feels dangerous with that like bright red especially right. after a panel where the whole the, whole, the entire background is white kind of that sure. like close-up bang mm-hmm. of uh of, of red was really nice yeah, good point, good point. And then even the page after that, there's a lot of really great shots where the tinkerer is kind of close up to camera and it has this like noir type feel and he's colored in green yes. and then completely colored in red. And yeah, uh, yeah there's some really fun stuff. Yeah, it's really, it, it is really cool. It's it's definitely unusual. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And then it, then it gets, again, it's it's like... I'm not going to say it's weird, but it's just like, it's just a strange plot because then Peter Parker ends up crawling inside the building mm-hmm. and then running across this character. What's his name again? Is it Toy? The Toy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he ends up so fighting this guy and then, um, <laughs> and then the toy takes off and then Peter Parker throws a, uh, what's it called? <laughs> the a spider um, tracker. A spider, tr- spider tracer on the back right. of his head. <laughs> and then... And then I, I also love how um, the cops, when they see him, they go, hold it, Spider-Man or whoever you are. You've got some explaining to do. <laughs> I, I, it's always funny when they throw those little lines yeah. in there of explanation. In. But anyway, so then Peter Parker takes off and then, um, and then, um, and then basically he's tracking this uh, spider tracer. Mm-hmm. For people that don't know, this has got to be Spider-Man's weirdest ability is that everyone knows he has a spider sense, but 
in the comics, he uses it to track these spider tracers. I don't remember how this was developed. If it was, I think it was Steve Ditko that developed it, but it's just kind of one of his weirder powers. Don't you agree? Yeah. And I, for a long time, I thought that it was just like an actual tracker that he built. Okay. So I thought it had something to do with, you know, some sort of technology that he put in the spider that he could throw and then trace it. But because now you could do that, you would just it would be like a GPS type right. thing, right? But back then they didn't have that, so yeah, it's just all based on his uh, spider sense. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's kind of cool how he's kind of got a like kind of feel around for it, and then he then he senses it, then he follows it, then he goes to this sort of warehouse, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then he runs into and I, you know it's kind of cool because then he runs into the tinker, and you know you go to digital page fifteen, and we got some really cool art here. Of the Tinkerer, and again, just Jim Mooney, he's just a classic, you know, D- 50s, 60s DC mm-hmm. artist. So it just looks like he's walking right out of an old Superboy comic, you know. He kind of just walks out and starts talking, and Peter Parker's hanging over top listening to them, and then he kind of interrupts, and then, of course, punches out this toy guy. Mm-hmm. And then they end up talking, and then uh, Toy Man ends up explaining um, it's kind of cool because it's t- in a typical comic book moment, he's like, ah, you know, after all our encounters, you still yield surprises, Spider-Man. And he says, all of our encounters, I've only met you twice, Tink. Not so, you costume buffoon. And then he explains that these other uh, Spider-Man stories that have happened, I guess Tinkerer has actually been in the background right. in like S- Spider-Man 160, I think, and then... I'm not sure if there's another one. Oh, mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah, Spider-Man 183 and 184. I haven't read those issues, so I don't know right. exactly Big how it all plays and, out, but yeah. it's kind of cool. I, I really like that, actually. I think that's really smart that they've got this kind yeah. of bad guy that works with other bad guys, and he just makes villain tech for them. It's right. like almost like an evil 007 type of thing, where you've sure. got this evil Q character making technology right. for everybody and they tried to they they introduced him in both the MCU and um those awful amazing Spider-Man Sony movies too. The Tinkerer? I think so. I think that the Tinkerer was You know what? Yeah, he was. I think you're right. I think he was building tech for all of the Oscorp uh supervillains. Like you saw the Doc Ock arms yeah. and vulture wings and stuff like that in the second movie. And then in okay, in, you know what? And then in yeah, um, he, the MCU, he's he's the one who built the the tech for Vulture. See, it says here that Homecoming is his cinematic debut. Okay, but he did appear in the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon and in the Spider-Man cartoon. Okay, so maybe yeah, maybe it was just the MCU then. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I forgot about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool because yeah, it's, it is a great idea for a character, yeah. right? so anyway yeah so basically from there the story is kind of just a big fight scene mm-hmm. and then it gets um at the end of the story it, it to me it reminds me of like a star trek plot where what happens is you end up finding out that this uh this guy toy that spider-man's been fighting is actually a robot right. and uh toy man is all busted up about him which is kind of you know sad i guess and then as he's as Spider-Man's swinging away, he's like, he was so estranged from humanity that machines came to mean more to him than human beings. I guess everyone needs something to love, even if it's only a toy. Right. It's kind of cool yeah. ending, you know? It's kind of a nice little story. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Right. And I think it's really uh, kind of a 
nice switch up to have the villain destroying the thing that he creates and being, right. you, know, you know, the whole battle be- ends because of the villain rather than Spider-Man defeating him. Yeah, that's it's a good point. Good. Yeah, so overall, it's definitely a, a solid story. Yeah. A solid issue of Spidey by Bill Mantlo. Mm-hmm. And like we said, he does have a, a long run on uh, Spectacular before and after um, Roger Stern. So there's going to be more coming from him. So I can definitely say that I recommend this issue. Yeah. What about you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the art is great. The story is, is simple but fun. It's kind of yep. – it does have that balance of being goofy and a little bit serious. And yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. Absolutely. So that's it for this week. Next week, we'll be getting back to Roger Stern on Spectacular. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we'll have more Denny O'Neill. Uh, amazing. <laughs> and unfortunately, we'll have no Spidey and Marvel team up. Right. But that's okay. We're still going to review it anyway. Uh, so yeah, that, that wraps it up for this week, Josh. Yeah. Uh, you can catch us over on Facebook at the Comic Book Syndicate. Or you can catch us on Twitter as well at Comic or sorry, yeah, Comic Syndicate. Um, we are now on Spotify. Uh, are we on anything else? Are we on Apple Podcasts? We're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher. Apparently. Stitcher, okay. Yes. So you can check us out there. Um, and we want to hear from you guys. So we want to know what you guys think about the episodes, what you think about the comics that we're reviewing. And we'd love to keep in touch and keep that conversation going. So yeah, check us out there. All right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. See you next week. See ya. Oh,